0: Bonjour. Thank you for listening to Just Claudia podcast episode 10 on the 25th of May 2020. Today is the 15th day of déconfinement in France, 15 days since the start of the gradual lifting of the COVID 19 lockdown restrictions. My name is Claudia and I am an English teacher in France. I am originally from Singapore, a little country in Southeast Asia and have been living in France for four years since 2016 in a little town called Assay, 30 kilometers away from Paris. This podcast is about the bits and pieces of my life in France. Through this podcast, you can learn things about Singapore and view France from a new perspective, from the eyes of a Singaporean. In June of this year, I would have been teaching English in France for four full years. These four years have been as much a learning as a teaching experience. How did I end up being an English teacher in France? Never have I thought that I would become a teacher and an English teacher to boot. My tertiary education was in finance and economics. It was expected of me to clinch one of the highly coveted jobs in the financial industry, be it in a financial institution or a financial position in a non-financial sector. So there I was for twelve years a clock in the wheel in the convoluted world of finance, generating sales figures, gathering data, analyzing numbers, using statistics justifying valuation and verifying results. These numbers were usually not to be presented in their raw form, especially when your employers needed to justify to customers that the fees Trailing with zeros, paid out by them, were not in vain. The end products usually arrived in the form of a report that was painstakingly prepared by yours faithfully. The thickness of reports, in part, depended on how fat the fees were. So, that was my job, crunching numbers and churning reports. At times, I felt that customers were only interested in the final numbers, which could normally be found in the executive summary located on the first few pages of the report. As long as these figures were within their range of expectations, the rest of the report was just procedural embellishment. My point is that my former professional background has not much relevance to my current profession as an English teacher other than the fact that English was the working language which I used on a daily basis, both oral and written, and that I have a good grasp of the financial and economic jargons. English was not my strongest subject in school during my primary and secondary studies. I cannot recall what was being taught in class. The only memories of English lessons that I had were those with an English teacher who was also my form teacher in primary school. It was not what he taught during the lessons that left an impression on me. Rather, it was his unconventional teaching methods, at least unconventional for the 1980s. One of his approaches to forcing us to speak English was making us pay 10 cents each time for not speaking English in his classes. Each time we uttered a non-English word, each time we broke out in our mother tongue, we would reluctantly dig into our pockets for a coin and dropped it into a big glass jar placed at one corner of the teacher's desk. In the beginning, one could hear sharp, distinct clink-clink sounds as the coin hit the bottom or the side of the jar. As the time flew by... The sounds became blunted as the jar filled up. By the end of the year, the jar could be turned into a heavy dumbbell. The money raised was used to fund our class outings. As for English grammar, I have almost no recollection of any grammar points being drilled into us. Only a fuzzy memory of having to memorize the past tense of various irregular verbs and how to use continuous tense correctly. That is the extent to which I could recall of the instructions on English grammar. I don't remember ever having to demystify the differences between present perfect and past tense, differentiate the four main types of conditionals, understand when a gerund or an infinitive is to be used, or memorize phrasal verbs. What is a phrasal verb? And a gerund? What is a conditioner and why do we need so many types? All these terms did not exist in my life before France. At least that's what my memories tell me. Or was I just suppressing some traumatising childhood memories of English lessons? Perhaps my teachers did try to inculcate grammar rules in me, but to no avail. However, I do remember the sessions when I had to write the English compositions and those sessions did not elicit favourable reminiscence. At every session, I would spend half the allocated assignment time staring helplessly at the blank blue-lined page placed before my eyes. Spinning stories was clearly not my forte. As the minutes ticked away to half-time, I would scramble to put down first words that were remotely connected to the topic on the blank page. Words that would then be often erased and rewritten or replaced by another until some form of a sentence appeared. Each assignment was like a visit to the dentist, each word agonizingly extracted and spat out. This process would continue as I ploughed through the assignment to reach the minimum number of words required. As you can imagine, English was neither my favourite nor my strongest subject in school. That said, you may be surprised when I tell you that being a librarian was one of my two dream jobs. If an adult ever asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? The other being an artist. Since a young age, I have always been a voracious reader, and I read mostly in English. My appetite for books did not secrete enough creative juice for me to write good English compositions. So, how did I end up being a teacher, an English teacher? Then there is my temperament. My definition of a teacher, especially someone who teaches the younger generations, should possess most, if not all, of the following qualities. Patient. Caring, considerate, knowledgeable, passionate about what she does, good communication skills, strong work ethic, etc. My friends and close ones would be in a conundrum if I asked them up front to pick out the different qualities which are applicable to me. They would either expose me to the cruel truth and hope that I would not be mortally hurt or to tell a barefaced lie to protect my feelings. No professional experience, no academic knowledge of the subject, no relevant teaching qualities. Why am I teaching? It's a banal story. Wife follows husband to a new country for his work. Wife gives up her career. Nah, the second part is not true. The commonality ends at wife follows husband to a new country for his work. I did not give up a high-paying, glamorous job for my other half at the time when I left Hong Kong for France. I had been living in Hong Kong for four years when I decided to follow my soon-to-be-husband to France. Perhaps it was a premature midlife crisis, or perhaps I was one of the lucky few who realised early that my job did not bring me any sorts of gratification, except in financial terms. The job was actually sapping my energy mentally and emotionally. At that point of my life, the pastime that I picked up in Hong Kong, trail running, was my only respite. Pushing my physical limits by devouring kilometers of forest trails and racking up thousands of meters of elevation gain in races was the only way to show that I was still in control of my life. Be it reckless or wise, I quit my job three years after I arrived in Hong Kong and permanently left the financial industry after 12 years in Singapore and Hong Kong, by and by, without securing a new job. A few weeks after I quit the financial world, through word of mouth, I was put in touch with a French couple who were trail running enthusiasts themselves and who needed help with their budding English local trail running magazine. The serendipitous situation secured me with an editorial job that I was passionate about. No more number crunching and report churning. No more slogging 10 hours a day behind a computer screen. No more obligatory makeup that clogged up my pores. Heels that pinch my toes. Business suits that constrain my natural movements. The monetary compensation was less than a third of my previous job but I was much more content than before. That lasted for more than a year before I decided to pack my bags and leave for France. I enjoyed doing just nothing the first few weeks after my arrival in France. It gave me the opportunity to explore Orsay, the new city and reintegrate into the French culture after 20 years of absence. The first time I came to France was in 1999 when I was here at as a jeune fille au pair staying with a host family. Many a morning, I would spend a couple of hours at my favourite boulangerie, La Poste Gaumont, usually breaking my fast, catching up on the news or reading a book. I would then explore the new city by doing a short run. For the rest of the day, I would self-study French. Once a week, I would attend a French class. With a smattering of French, remnants of the one and a half years of a in Paris 20 years ago, I also started unheartedly exploring job opportunities. Life was idyllic. However, I got bored after a few weeks. Too much of a good thing. Since Sylvia was working, I was alone by myself most of the time in our Mickey Mouse apartment. I am restless by nature and get bored easily. There was a limit to how much reading I could do in a day and doing it every day. There was a limit to how much French I could cram into my brain. Besides, the futile job search did not help to ease the agitation that I began to feel after the first few weeks in France. I had been forewarned before I left for France that finding a stable job here would be tough due to the high unemployment rate. The person wasn't exaggerating. The situation was not made easier by the smattering of French. A job search, even if it's in your native language, is not easy. Imagine, I had to undertake the whole process, internet search, writing CV, writing motivation letters, responding to emails, attending interviews, in French. I landed my first job five months after I settled in France, and it was a part-time English teaching position with a language school in Paris. The compensation and working conditions were not ideal. Beggars cannot be choosers. After four months of forced non-productiveness, I was exhilarated for just clinching a job, not having to consume my rapidly dwindling savings, and feeling being useful again. Besides, at that point in time, I was thinking teaching English was just a stint. While I looked for something else. Four years later, I am still an English teacher. Despite the ups and downs over the four years, I like what I'm doing overall. And that's how I became an English teacher. Thank you for listening to Juice Claudia Podcast, Episode 10. Stay tuned for the next episode. Take care.